0: It's Unnecessary Roughness, presented by the Jewelers of Las Vegas.
1: Just watching the game last night, I thought they did a really good job. Perseverance in terms of being resilient and finishing in the fourth quarter. So key thing there is, you know, it's going to be a four-quarter game. It's going to be 60 minutes. That's one thing that you see when you watch the Steelers and how Coach Tomlin builds that team and how they go about it every season. From week two to week three, just stringing together 60 minutes of good football. That's the plan.
0: This is Unnecessary Roughness. Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio, here's your boy Q. Q.
2: Right there you heard Raiders defensive coordinator Patrick Graham talking about the Steelers and that performance that they had on Monday night as they defeated the Cleveland Browns 26-22. Had two, not one but two defensive touchdowns, one by Highsmith and also one by T.J. Watt. join us now on the phone lines to talk about those Pittsburgh Steelers is our good friend Brooke Pryor from ESPN. And, Brooke, thanks so much for your time. I definitely appreciate you. And I know that the defense was an emphasis. Continuing to boost that defense was an emphasis in the offseason. How pleased is Mike Tomlin so far with the results of what they did, the work they put in to continue to build that defense?
3: Well, you know, he's Mike Tomlin, so he's always going to find some areas that need to be better. Uh, You know, he said that the communication was better, but it can be even better. And he talked about the fact that they're going to be in a road venue this weekend in Vegas that maybe it'll be a little bit easier for them to communicate without all the crowd noise. Although I feel like maybe Steelers fans heard that and said, "Okay, well, not really, because we're all going to be in Vegas, too. You might be leaving Pittsburgh, but we're coming with you. Uh, because of how well this, this fan base travels. But, I mean, I think Mike Tomlin is, is definitely happy. I've, like I said, he will find things that they can get better about. But the fact that the defense outscored the offense last week, uh, I would say that, that the early returns of this defense are, are pretty good, especially guys like TJ Watt and Alex Highsmith.
2: Yeah, they're definitely very opportunistic, and they're making the most of it. Talking about the defense and what could be better, how about the run defense? It looks like it struggled so far early on. Is that a product of who they've played? Is that just kind of what's going on? What would you say would be the biggest reason for their struggles against the run?
3: You know, I think the biggest thing is just that they don't have Cam Hayward right now. He's on IR. He had surgery on a groin injury that happened in week one, and he is a huge factor in terms of someone that – can just do a little bit of everything in that defense, but especially in the run game. And I think that not having him, there was not an obvious kind of three down, um, every down defensive tackle that can plug that hole the way that Cam Hayward can. And so they've kind of had to do a lot of mix and matching. Uh, They've used rookie Keanu Benton, a second round pick, uh, DeMarvin Leal, who's a little bit thinner, a little bit slipperier. They just elevated uh, Breeden Fioco to the 53-man roster from the practice squad. He's a pure nose tackle, as is Montrevius Adams. Uh, but those guys up front just really miss Cam Hayward. And I think while the outside linebackers are, are playing really well, the inside linebackers are better than they were a year ago, but it's still largely a work in progress with this group trying to do things like get that communication down.
2: How much do you think it'll be an emphasis Sunday night that the Steelers really try to focus in on stopping the run, Josh Jacobs, Samir White, whoever's trying to carry the rock?
3: Yeah, I mean, I think that they have to. They've faced some really good running backs, obviously. There's the just horrible injury to Nick Chubb early in the game on Monday. That's still, though, while the Browns were down Chubb, they still were able to move the ball pretty effectively on the ground with Jerome Ford. I don't know why they ever had – Deshaun Watson throw it other than the fact that he's, what, $230 million. So (laughs) I guess you probably should have him do something out there, but um, the Steelers just can't stop the run and so because of that, I think that they really have got to key in on stopping Josh Jacobs or whoever it is. I feel like, I mean, you guys know this even better than I and the Steelers do, but Josh Jacobs' last performance was not characteristic, and let me tell you, if he wants to get back on track, the Steelers' run defense, the way they've been playing is a good way to do that.
2: Yeah, I'm thinking the same thing. And, uh, again, Josh Jacobs went for negative two yards against the Bills, and that's not something that he's going to want to carry around with him too much longer. So he's going to want to get back out there and uh, put his best foot forward. Again, Brooke Pryor is our guest from ESPN here on Raider Nation Radio 920, talking about the Steelers as they come to town and take on the Raiders in primetime Sunday night football. Now, you mentioned that Nick Chubb injury. A guy that was involved in that was Minka Fitzpatrick. He left the game with a chest injury. How is Minka doing right now?
3: You know, he did not practice today but that's not necessarily a huge surprise they are on a short week Um, a lot of guys didn't practice today it is a little bit concerning though because Demonte Casey another safety who hasn't necessarily had the best start to the season um, but he plays a lot of snaps he didn't practice with a calf injury so I'm interested to see how that develops Um, but I think more telling for Minka will be his participation in tomorrow's practice and Friday's practice uh, we approached him in the locker room today. He did not want to talk. Um, I mean, I, th- I think that there's obviously a lot going on, not only because of the injury that he's dealing with, but the tackle he made on Nick Chubb that ended up in, in Chubb getting injured. I think that he's just dealing with a lot. So hopefully we get to hear from him later this week. Um, but at it, it, this point, I, it feels really up in the air whether or not he plays. I think, that's, I, I think that that's just going to have to be monitored. I think – They will end up using a lot of safeties because even if he is available, I think he's going to be uh, slowed a little bit by a chest injury that Tomlin said they took him to the local hospital out of an abundance of caution. But there's only a handful of injuries, I think, that would necessitate a trip to the hospital. He didn't give any specifics, but if it's something that's serious, it's not something that you're going to necessarily bounce back from right away.
2: Yeah, and I hate to see anybody injured, and I know that there was a lot of backlash from that uh, the way he tackled Nick Chubb, but I mean, look, it's football and, and things happen, and I don't think Nick uh, Nick Chubb took it too personal, but I, I know how that goes, and I know how found, fan base, especially the Browns and Steelers, I know how that gets all ramped up and kind of times a thousand, so that's unfortunate for Minka. He's a hell of a player. Let's stick with the secondary real quick, Brooke. Uh, what has the addition of Patrick Peterson meant to the Steelers secondary?
3: You know, I think that he's been really great in a mentor role. Like he's had a huge impact on a young guy like Joey Porter Jr. Um, He's a really strong voice in that room. It has been interesting to see him on the field because it's clear that he's not the player he used to be. In terms of he's just he's not as fast as he as he was earlier in his career. He can't go step for step with some of these fast receivers, and he's kind of a step slow um and because of that he's been out of position on some plays there was a touchdown um he gave up two touchdowns to brandon Ayuk in week one one of those i think though is because kz broke the wrong way and wasn't there to help him um but i think that patrick peterson they need to get him i think in a spot where he doesn't have to rely on his speed or lack thereof as much um you know maybe putting him in the slot maybe him having maybe having him play safety a little bit which would not surprise me. That could be something we see this week, especially with injuries to two of their peer safeties in Minka and KZ. Um, But it's been, it's, it has been really nice to have Patrick Peterson in the locker room as a reporter to have somebody to talk to um, sure. because he is very generous with his time and he's very good at explaining exactly what's going on. You can tell this guy is a pro's pro and he's just a real vet in the way that he does everything.
2: Joey Porter Jr., you mentioned him. He's the rookie. He dropped to the second round. The Steelers swooped him up immediately. Of course, his father, Joey Porter, played there for a very long time. What have you seen from him outside of the play he made at the end of the game on Monday night that sealed the deal for the Steelers?
3: Yeah, I I get the sense that making a play like that, whether you know maybe it should have been a a pass interference, wasn't called. Uh, Him making plays like that in big moments, is huge for his confidence and for the team's confidence in him. And Mike Tomlin suggested this week, this guy's going to keep getting more reps and more opportunity because he's showing each week he's building and he's showing that he can handle this pressure and he can handle the responsibility in game. Um, I think that one of the areas they wanted to see better from him was his tackling. That was fine uh, by all accounts Monday night. And so I think that they want to move him into taking a bigger role um, and taking, you know, more snaps a game. And he, so far, is handling that really well.
2: Brooke Pryor from ESPN is our guest here on Red Nation Radio 920, unnecessary roughness. All right, that was the good. The defense has been really good for the Steelers. The bad has been the offense. Now, <laughs> when I say bad, I say that with all due respect. They played the Niners and the Browns. They both have really good defenses. So has the offense been more of a product of who they played, or are they struggling at this point heading into week three?
3: It's a perfect storm, really, uh, because, like you mentioned, they are playing really good defenses. But there's been a lot of really uninspiring and concerning trends that we've seen. One of those things being the run game is non-existent. Um, Najee Harris has had three big runs. Jalen Warren's gotten a little bit of room to run uh, as a receiving back, but still, it's very stagnant. And a lot of that is is the line. The line has been able to shut down some of the premier pass rushers. You know, Miles Garrett wasn't a factor. Uh, Bosa wasn't a factor. But it seems like this line keys in on the marquee matchup, and then some of the little things don't get taken care of. One of those things is, is how they're, they're blocking for the run game, and uh, the Steelers running backs just aren't getting any room to run. Um, and because the run game can't get going, that then in turn – leads to the pass game uh, not flourishing the way that it should. It's it's not a balanced offense. It doesn't really feel like an offense at all. They've talked about how they don't have an identity at this point, and that's concerning because this is where they were at the start of last season, and it really felt like they had moved past that. But Kenny Pickett's accuracy hasn't been there. He's thrown interceptions in each game, uh, one last week, and it just feels like he's making mistakes that he wasn't making at the end of last year. The reads aren't there. The throws are not always on target. Um, and I think that he just needs to find a way. As Mike Tomlin said, the whole offense, they've lost their mojo and they've got to get it back. And it's, it's just not there right now.
2: You know, it's funny, I almost laughed when you said that the the offense isn't balanced and it sounded very similar to the Raiders offense, right? The run game can't get going. <laughs> yeah, the off the, the the passing game isn't as dynamic as it can be because again, it's not balanced. But I did want to ask you about Jalen Warren. We know who Najee Harris is. I mean, going back to high school, we know who Najee is and he's he could be a fantastic back. But what about Jalen Warren? He seems like he's just got that extra that extra gear, that extra juice. Like, he can, he can really bring it if he gets his hands on a ball. Do you see him getting more involved in the offense moving forward?
3: Yeah, I mean, I think that he has to. I, I, think it's, I think that Najee's in a really tough position, and I feel for him because I don't think that he's being schemed up and used the right way. The, the offense is making him an east-west runner, and he needs to run north-south. And it feels like Jalen Warren, no matter really how you scheme it up, He has just these quick twitch muscles and an ability. He's not only fast, he's quick. And he, I think it's just so hard for defenses to stop because he can slip through a hole. And he just, to me, is the more dynamic running back. Whereas Najee can be that workhorse that he can get you three, four yards on first down and make it, you know, maybe second and six and then it, Either, you know, you pick up the first down there or it's a third and manageable instead of this third and long. But Jalen so far has been more of that home run hitter, whereas Najee is your workhorse. And I think that they're trying to figure out how to balance that. The two, I think, were maybe seven snaps apart. Najee playing more on Monday. Um, and that's kind of the most balanced that we've seen it. And I'm interested to see how that division of labor continues because as Mike Tomlin said, similar to Joey Porter Jr., the way that Jalen Warren's playing, he's earning himself more reps and more opportunities. So I think that they're going to continue to feed him and just see how much more he can get.
2: ESPN's Brooke Pryor is with us here on Raider Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness, talking all things Steelers. Just got a couple more questions for you. One to ask about George Pickens. How important is it for the Steelers to get him involved in the offense early?
3: Uh, I mean, especially right now with Deontay Johnson – being on IR, this offense, the pass game, has to go through George Pickens. And it was pretty clear that they were making a concerted effort on Monday night to make George the guy. He gets 10 targets, I believe, his first double-digit target game of his career, had over 100 yards, the bulk of those coming in that 71-yard touchdown that he had. And the thing that was the most interesting to me about that is that most of that was after the catch. I think he picked up 56 yards after the catch, which was what he told me during training camp. Hey, I want to show that I'm more than just this highlight reel of insane catches, that I'm fast and that I am a complete receiver. Um, and he showed that, that if he and Pickett can get on the same page, which is a little concerning that it hasn't been as fluid um, early because of how much they worked on it in training camp. But if they can connect, good things will happen. But at the same time, it's a fine line to walk because, We've seen some instances where it looks like Pickett has made up his mind pre-snap, the ball's going to Pickens, I need to get him involved. And that's what led to an interception on the Steelers' first drive because teams know, hey, he needs to get the ball to George Pickens, and yes, George Pickens has a crazy catch radius, but if you can anticipate that throw, there's a good chance you're going to have an opportunity to pick it off. And so I think that it's just making sure that Um, you know, he's not staring down his receivers. He is mixing it up a little bit and just adding some diversity to the pass game.
2: And that's how we'll close things out is with the quarterback position. He's in his second year, Kenny Pickett. Uh, Obviously, he's very familiar with Pittsburgh, coming from right there from Pitt. Raiders saw him last year on Christmas Eve. What have you seen from him in this young season? How has he matured from his rookie year to now?
3: Well, I feel like he, I I hate to say regressed because it's been two weeks, right? And there's always some jitters that have to get worked out early in the season, but he hasn't taken the jump that I thought he would take based on the small sample size we saw in the preseason, what I saw in training camp, and the way that he ended last year. Like I said, the the accuracy issues are concerning, the decision-making, the reads aren't there, and it makes you wonder, is it the calls that are being put in? Is it the way he's being coached? or Are these things that he's doing on his own, I feel like he you know, it's interesting. Justin Fields said today that it was coaching, which was why he felt like he was playing robotically. Mm -hmm. I don't think that Kenny Pickett feels like he's a robot. I don't think that he, he's not going to say it's coaching or it's anything else because he is very much the, he's going to use the party line, right? He's going to say, I, we all need to be better. You know, we're going to come together and fix this um, as a group. But I think that you know, maybe there is something to being able to play looser and have more freedom and not try to be the perfect quarterback type thing. Like maybe there's some overthinking that's happening because this offense can move the ball when they're in, the, when they're in their two-minute offense. Kenny Pickett is really good in a two-minute offense. We saw that against the Raiders last year. So I mm-hmm. think if they can get him to more of that and get him more in his comfort zone, uh, then, then maybe some better things will start happening for him.
2: Well, it's going to be in prime time, Brooke. Everyone's going to be watching, right? Sunday night football at Legion Stadium, Las Vegas. I'm sure the atmosphere is going to be fantastic. I know you'll be in the building. What are you working on that we should be on the lookout for?
3: I actually will, if everything goes to plan, should have a story coming out this week on George Pickens and how maybe he is the answer to getting this offense, uh, getting its mojo back.
2: There it is. Well, great stuff as always. You cover the Steelers like a glove, and we definitely appreciate you giving us some time this afternoon.
3: Absolutely.
2: Thanks, Q. No problem. No problem. There she goes. Brooke Pryor, the great Brooke Pryor from ESPN on Twitter at B-E-P-R-Y-O-R. That's Brooke Pryor uh, from ESPN. She does a fantastic job covering the Steelers like a glove. We definitely appreciate her. And if that's not a hell of a preview right there for what you're going to get and see on Sunday, I don't know what is. But uh, many thanks to her. Ari, fantastic get. We definitely appreciate you. And we'd like to hear from you. At 702-365-9200, the don'tbebroke.com text line at 69187, keyword R&R. We've got Mick Akers from the RJ coming up at 3.30 to talk all things Sandra Douglas Morgan. But, again, want to hear from you. uh, Asking the confidence level that you have in this team uh, to kind of bounce back from what they did last week and have a good performance. You you heard right there from Brooke. If you're listening, you heard what Brooke had to say about how they could be had. The run game. They can't stop the run. Cam Hayward is not there. He's not coming through those doors at Allegiant Stadium, at least not suited up, right? So he's not going to be out there on the field, and that is one of the biggest issues that they have is not being able to stop the run. What can the Raiders do really well when they establish their identity? Run the ball really well, and that opens up everything else. That opens up Devontae Adams. That opens up Jacoby Myers. If he's out there and available, that can open up Hunter Renfro. That can open up Michael Mayer. I mean, just when you can run the ball, all of a sudden you could do so many different things. In this Raiders offense, I know I've been talking about balance, balance, balance. The other thing about this Raiders offense, it is not built to play from behind the sticks. And what I mean by that, third and six, third and seven, third and nine, third and long. It is not built to operate like that. They want to stay ahead of the sticks. They want to get second and five, right? Third and three. That That's where they want to live, in that zone, <laughs> Right. Kind of, kind of like, you know, if you're, at, you're, at, the, you're at, the, uh, at the club and you're dancing and there's a certain little square area that you want to stay in while you're dancing, that's what they want to do. They want to stay in that little square box. They don't want to get outside the lines, right? They want to, they want to dance in that square box. That's what it is. They want to be ahead of the chains at all times. That's how this offense is built. I know most teams want to do that, but there's some teams that's like, oh, third and nine, no problem, <laughs> right? We'll just dial up this shot to so-and-so and they'll pick up 15 yards. That's not how this offense is built. Right, and especially going up against a team that has a couple dudes that can pin their ears back and get after the quarterback, that's not what you – you don't want to live in that world. Speaking of uh, guys that can pin their ears back and get after the quarterback, got a text from the 925, oh, we'll give up a sack Sunday night. We just need to get to pick it more. All right, so there you go. Uh, there's a text saying that they think that uh, the Raiders offensive line will give up a sack, and there's a good chance that they do. Look, they're not going to go the whole season without giving up a sack. We know that, right? And with T.J. Watt, Highsmith, those guys, they can get to the quarterback. We saw it all on full display on Monday Night Football. If you were paying attention and I was glued in on it, you saw what they were able to do to Deshaun Watson and the Cleveland Browns. Let's go out to the OC. Let's go out to Orange County real quick, talk to our guy, John. John, welcome to Unnecessary Roughness. What's on your mind?
1: Hey, how you doing today,
2: i I'm blessed, man. I'm blessed. How are you?
1: Man, not bad. Not bad at all. Hey, first off, congratulations, man. I tuned out for a little while, and I come back. Uh, you doing big things at ESPN, man, big ups. i, I out hey,
2: here. appreciate you, man. Can't stop, won't stop. <laughs> I heard that.
1: I heard that. You know, you are talking about confidence, you know, getting to get, you know, bouncing back. I'm hoping we can do it, but oh, you know, that defense, it's been questionable. And with Pat Graham going up to the to the booth, is the writing on the wall? You know how 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 long are they going to wait to make the ultimate decision to get somebody new in there?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't want I don't want them to drop too many games where they make that decision, because then it's going to be a couple more
2: games for them to adjust to whatever news, going to get, news gets put in, you know? Yeah. So hopefully, hopefully they get that addressed. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. John, thanks for the call. And I'll say this. If they were to, and I'm not saying they're going to, but if they were to move up from Pat to Graham, they're going to have someone like Jason Simmons or they're going to have someone that is already on staff just take that role. Right, maybe a Rob Leonard or whoever whoever's on that defensive side of the ball that they have confidence in. That's who they're going to put in that position, uh, you know, to be the new voice there on the uh, on the Raiders defensive side. But I'll tell you, and it was a caution to me. I was sitting at the house last Sunday watching this game against Buffalo, and as soon as I saw Patrick Graham sitting in the booth, and shame on me, I didn't know ahead of time. I didn't go to Denver. Uh, I didn't see them flash to the booth on uh, in the Denver game, and I didn't pay attention because I was, you know doing the pregame and the postgame show for, uh, for the games that they were on the road during, during the preseason, and I was at Allegiant Stadium on uh, the first game for, against the 49ers. I never noticed, noticed that Patrick Graham was in the booth. I didn't. I didn't notice it till this past Sunday. But as soon as I did notice it, I wrote it down. And I said, I'm going to ask Coach McDaniels about this tomorrow. Because to me, that's, that's a signal. When they start moving you around and trying to find a different position for you, that's—I don't want to say the writing on the wall—but that's when they're paying attention to what's going on for you, right? When they're trying to put you in a better position to succeed. All right, well, this isn't working. Let's go ahead and, and do this. And apparently, they talked about that. According to Josh Daniels. he said this to us on Monday. They talked about it a lot during the the the, the um, off season and training camp, and in the preseason, they addressed it. They had conversations about it, and they liked it. So they're going to keep Patrick Graham in the booth. So that's again, that's something that was noticed by me on, uh, on Sunday for the first time, and I, th- I found it to be pretty interesting, to your credit. Uh, you know, I think it's like, hey, just let, you, let it be known that we're paying attention to what you got going on. At uh, the don'tbebroke.com, text line 69187, keyword R&R, and we'll take a break after this one. Uh, what up, Q? Poncho here. I'd have to say my confidence is running high. Sure, the Bills game was one to forget, but I already had us going one and one. Sucks we lost that bad, but it is what it is. I believe Josh is going to have a big game and finally score his first receiving touchdown. The defense will hold the Steelers down and come out with two turnovers. Max will also have a two sack game, and this will be a confidence booster for the whole team. Can't wait. Let's get it. That's from Poncho, and I like it. You know, and that's the, and that's the way it's kind of like, you know, one extreme to another, right? That's the confidence level right now of Raider Nation on this Wednesday. Where they're at as far as the confidence level of this team being able to bounce back. Some don't really see it. Some are like Robin Oakland, where he's like, Yeah, I'm at a four. A four out of ten that they can bounce back. Some much higher than that. Some much lower than that. Like, Yeah, I don't know about this, right? So that's why I asked the question, just to kind of get the, the room temperature. You know, when they say read the room, I'm trying to read the room, I'm trying to see exactly where the confidence level is. And I said it myself, maybe. You know, maybe I'm giving them too much credit, but I just think that that game against Buffalo was just a bad, bad game. I don't expect them to be that type of team. That was a bad performance, and I don't think this team is bad like that. I think that they can have bad games if things don't go right, if they can't get pressure on the quarterback and they can't establish the run, and they all of a sudden become super one dimensional. And again, they only had 13 snaps in the second half, right? They, it, this whole season so far, I know it's only been two games, but it just feels weird. Right? Six six possessions in week one against Denver. Found a way to win. And then, what, 13 snaps in, in the second half of week two? Just weird, man. Things don't happen like that. But they turn the ball over. So you turn the ball over, you're not going to get very many snaps. So they've got to play a clean game. They're at home. They should feel good about themselves. They'll have their home crowd. It's Allegiant Stadium. It's Vegas. Steeler fans are going to travel. They're going to want to be there. There's going to be... Terrible towels in the building. Passionate Raider called about it yesterday. Doesn't want to see the, the terrible towels. I get it. There's going to be Steeler fans in the house as well. But uh, just being back at Allegiant Stadium, hopefully they'll have an opportunity to go out there and really do what they do. So thank you so much, John, for your call. Thank you so much, Poncho, for your text. And you can keep that feedback coming at uh, 69187, keyword r and Where's your confidence level as far as the Raiders bouncing back this week? And do you believe the running game will get started against the Steelers, a team that struggles to stop the run? Also, we got Mick Akers from the RJ coming up next. He'll talk all things Sandra Douglas Morgan. And then we'll go inside the Raiders locker room and hear from Mad Max Crosby and Josh Jacobs. We have all that on the way as we uh, roll along in the second hour of the show. It's Unnecessary Roughness. It's the best show on the radio on Radio Nation Radio 920. This podcast version of Unnecessary Roughness on LVSportsNetwork.com is brought to you by Porta Subs. Make sure you check out Porta Subs' six foot party trays. They're perfect for game days. You'll get your choice of three made to order classic subs made with premium meats and cheese on your choice of fresh baked bread, loaded with fresh veggies, toppings, and sauces. Game Day six foot trays serve 12 to 16 people so you can sit back and enjoy the game. Available at all Las Vegas area Porta Subs, neighborhood sandwich shops, order ahead at portasubs.com. Each year's different. Our team's different now than it was last year. Their team's different, too. So that happens, you know, every year. And you look back on it. You do your due diligence. You understand the way we played the game, the way they played the game. Um, The conditions obviously were, I would say, significantly different than what they're going to be on Sunday night. We did our work. I'm sure they looked at it as well. So, you know, I don't think anybody has an advantage in that regard.
0: You're listening to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio.
2: Coach Josh Median Daniels right there talking about last year versus this year when it comes to the Raiders-Steelers. They played it on Christmas Eve. Now they're going to be playing for the season home opener Sunday night prime time action at Allegiant Stadium. Before we get to our next guest, had a text on the don'tbebroke.com text line at 69187, keyword r for mailman Raider. He said, Q. I see we are one of four teams that inquired about Cam Akers. Kind of strange to me, having Jacobson drafted two running backs last season. What are your thoughts? And one, thank you for the text, Mailman Raider. I think that the Raiders were just kind of doing their due diligence as they should on all players, but it does not matter. Adam Schefter and others has just tweeted out, trade, the Rams are sending running back Cam Akers to the Minnesota Vikings for a swap of 2026 draft pick per sources. So kind of doesn't matter in that realm of the conversation anyway. Cam Makers is now... Headed to Minnesota. Joining us on the phone lines is our good friend, not Cam Akers, but Mick Akers from the RJ. Uh, And Mick, thanks so much for your time. Appreciate you as always. Wanted to have you on. I was checking out your piece as soon as the show got wrapped up yesterday. I saw your piece in the RJ, Raiders President Reflects on Year of Change for Franchise. Really good stuff that you wrote. So I wanted to kind of get you on here to break it down a little bit. And so I remember being there at Allegiant Stadium when Sandra Douglas Morgan was introduced to the media and, you know, introduced as the president of the Silver and Black for the past year and a couple couple days or so since she's been that president what has really been the key what's her really been her big focus so far
3: yeah
0: so obviously um she came in new and she wanted to get her own team in place uh in the front office so she started making some moves early on and right when she got hired they brought on a new head of uh, human resources it's kind of a tandem hire with her um since then she's since promoted that person to the vice president of human resources and she brought in a new uh, chief operating officer and a chief marketing officer, you know, getting everything in place to work on all aspects of the business side of football, you know, kind of going into the community, doing some community benefit work, making some of these corporate partnerships work out and obviously making sure everything within the Raiders organization itself is working smoothly, no issues as far as personnel is going. So obviously she got her, she got her team in place, and, you know, since then she's kind of been working out her vision. It's, you know, only one year in, and, you know, some of these hires weren't made until a few months ago, so she's kind of early on in that still, and she's kind of looking forward to the future and, you know, keeping this tight-knit group here and, uh, you know, working towards her and Mark Davis's goals.
2: You know, and one of the things that was said about her when she was hired was and introduced was the fact that she had so many ties to the community, and I just felt like, and I know you talked about it, and many others have that was really going to pay off for the Raiders having those community ties. How, how how have you seen that grow, and how much has she been benefiting from the fact that she has so many uh, communication or so many, uh, like I said, ties to the community?
0: Yeah, she kind of took over where the you know the last regime um, left off. You know, they were pretty. Already closely in with the there's a resort corridor and all the resorts up and down there. They got all the corporate, corporate sponsorships with the stadium when they came about with the Legion Stadium. So you see pretty much every uh, resort giant within or on the on the stadium itself. Um, then you know the, the continuing the the work with the community. Uh, that's the whole point of bringing in some of these people. They wanted to further the work they've already done. Which well, she said, hey, that's one of the things I was most surprised surprised about when I you know got in with the Raiders. She's kind of viewed it from afar, obviously not being on the on their executive staff then. But once she got in, she's like, Hey, you guys have done a ton of work, We know, within the community as far as it goes with schools, military health wise and all that. So she's like, Hey, you guys have already done a lot of work and that's what I'm looking forward to do. So she's kind of just building on the stuff that was already there, but you know, just kind of making it her own now.
2: What would you say would be next on her to do list?
0: Um, She said she just wants to involve the Raiders foundation work uh, more. Obviously that's a key pillar for them on their charity um, aspects, so she's looking to get that more integrated into the community. But like I said, they've been well, well, well yeah. known that they've been doing stuff you know all along, especially you know with schools and such, and some of the high school pro- programs they have with the football teams and all that. They go into schools and host mock training camps with the kids, where they have a good time and meet some of the Raider alumni and such. They do some food drives at the stadium, especially around Thanksgiving. So you know, she's just kind of looking to continue what they've already done, but she's just looking to maybe get a little bit more out there. Which I don't know how much more they can do.
2: Right. No doubt. Mick Akers from the RJ is our guest here on Raider Nation Radio 920 Unnecessary Roughness talking about his piece that he put out about the team president. Raiders president reflects on year of change for franchise. And, you know, one of the things she said and you noted in the piece is that she wanted to change and make enhance the game day experience. And the game day experience is awesome. I I think it's great already. Uh, We'll see it the first time in 2023 this upcoming Sunday night. What do you think that they can do to enhance and even make that game day experience even better?
0: You know, when they came in with the Legion Stadium and the Senate Bill 1, you know, in there it says you have to keep this a top-notch stadium no matter what. So they're always looking to add whatever improvements they can. Uh, This season, they're kicking off with some new club suite spaces. So those are going to be where the Modelo Cantina and Twitch Lounge are, so that's no longer an open space when you're in there, you can look out, there are going to be some club spaces there, they're kind of open air, they kind of see that more as the younger crowd that has money to spend, and want to do some Instagrammable moments there, so they're looking, you know, towards that, so that's one of the aspects they did recently, um, so they're always looking to add anything like that, uh, they already have, of course, the entertainment dialed down, they have everything from, you know, all these stars coming and singing the National Anthem, they have the halftime shows with some main people, um, so, you know, it's kind of hard to top what they do. She's just kind of looking to continue that, but like I said, they're always looking to improve whatever they can and they will just, you know, cause they're kind of binding by that, by their agreement here with, with Clark County and the Las Vegas stadium authority.
2: You know, as I was reading your piece, I, I love the part where she started to understand and get a further, you know, kind of explanation of what commitment to excellence and pride and poise. And, you know, some of the Raider different slogans, what it really means to her. It seems like just again, reading your piece, it seems like she's really embracing what it means to now be a Raider.
0: Yeah, you know, you see her most of the time, she's wearing some form of black. She's always, you know, has a Raider emblem on her. She's kind of, I guess, been hanging around with Mark a lot, so she's getting a lot of the, you know, what it means to be a Raider, as she's mentioned. So she's, you know, she's been through it. She talked about how she's been working with some of those long tenured employees that they brought over from Oakland, so she's getting a little bit of history lesson as she goes along as well. So uh, I think everything she's seen and obviously adding some of her own people there, but she's, you know, she, she likes what she's seen and she's kind of fully embracing, you know, what it is to be a Raider.
2: How much involved is she and, and really the organization from the best of your knowledge with what's going to happen in February when the Super Bowl will be played here at Allegiant Stadium?
0: Yes, yeah, so obviously being the host team, she's part of the Super Bowl committee, so she's really involved with it. She's one of the, the co-chairs with that. So she's been working with the, the different subcommittees, the NFL, all the networks that are going to be coming in. They're, she's helping them figure out where they want to go and set up their temporary sets for the week, you know, like ESPN comes down, NFL Network, and of course, CBS is hosting the game. They're going to have off-site sets as well. So, um, you know, I'm sure they're going to incorporate some spots in the Strip, some places downtown just to get the full vibe of Las Vegas and have that, you know, one only in Vegas backdrop there. So, She's been working on with that. Obviously, um, a lot of transportation stuff going on, logistics and all that. So, whatever she can, she's helping. And like you mentioned before, she's already tied in heavily with the resort corridor. So, having those connections, I think, helps with that as well.
2: You know, and you always cover the whole business side of things like a glove. Like, you do a fantastic job. And you saw when the Raiders arrived here what the value of the franchise was. And you've seen what the value of it is now. And that's Allegiant Stadium. That's the facility here in Henderson. I mean, that's just a lot of things that go into it. But just how much have you seen this community grow with the arrival of the Raiders? And then also, just like I said, their net value as a franchise.
0: Yeah, so obviously, they went from being, you know, second to last in valuation. Now they jumped inside the top 10 the last few years. So, you know, they've made one of the more significant jumps over the last, you know, five or six years. Uh, ever since some of the murmurs of, of them maybe reloading, relocating to Las Vegas happened. So that started happening then, and now it keeps continuing. It's um, not expected to stop anytime soon, obviously, if they start. You know, putting a winning product in the field as well, that's only going to help. So, you know, a lot of people are hoping that occurs here pretty soon as well. Um, But, you know, just just as far as the community, uh, you know, a lot of transient fans here, but you're starting to see a lot more Raiders fans here. I've noticed, um, I'd say in the last two years, it's kind of just exploded. I've seen a lot more Raiders hats, a lot more Raiders license plates on cars and stickers Mm -hmm. and such that I did when they initially got here. So I think some of that early community benefit stuff and them getting in there, it kind of helped with that because – you know, some people weren't really in tune with exactly what they did as an organization. They just saw the football side, but, you know, they see them coming through their community and talking to their kids and going to their schools. Uh, they kind of, I think, made them a, a fan of them from the get-go, even before they played a football game here, and that's kind of been growing. And uh, for Las Vegas, it cemented us as a, an actual sports city, so now people are like, hey, Las Vegas is the entertainment and sports capital of the world, you know, so we got the nights before that, so that kind of helps with that. But now we're – you know, have some members of the A's coming here, maybe the NBA. So I think it's kind of just helped springboard our place in the professional sports further. And obviously, we got Formula One coming here and Super Bowl. Uh, I think once, you know, the Raiders guy, it, it kind of made that dream more of a reality, bringing those types of events here.
2: Yeah, F1's going to be exciting coming up in November. We're looking forward to that. We'll skip past the A's because, well, we'll just skip past the A's. But how about the NBA? Like, I know that this is a basketball city going all the way back to UNLV, Uh, you know, the Running Rebels when they were doing their thing with Grandma Ma and company. Uh, How excited would this city be if an NBA franchise, a new franchise, not a relocation, happened here?
0: Yeah, they'd be ecstatic. Obviously, uh, when you talk to most people who have been here for a a number of years, everyone always says, hey, I thought we would always have an NBA team before anything else. Um, Obviously, we got an NHL team, which people thought would be the last. So, uh, (laughs) you know, everyone's kind of just, you know, sitting back and waiting for that to happen. Obviously, we have the Oakview group working towards that. You know, they've been working in the background for the last year or so, kind of getting their plan together. They haven't announced anything about that yet, but they have former Raiders president Mark Verdane on board with them, and, you know, he... He was the key piece to getting Allegiant Stadium built here and moving the Raiders here, so he he obviously knows what he's doing on that end. So I think they're in good hands with Mark McGowan behind that. So um, kind of just waiting to see what they have in store for us here. Um, you know, hopefully at some time soon they announce some of those plans, but it, that's looking you know really attractive for Las Vegas and the NBA as well.
2: Well, Mick, we'll get you out on this, man. What is the most outrageous thing or image you think can uh, end up on the on the outside of that spear that we have here? <laughs> Well, you know, we've seen
0: kind of everything under the sun already, uh, but you know, I'm sure they're going to keep at least PG-13 on there, so I wouldn't think that's <laughs> that going to be too crazy. But, right. <laughs> you know, you never know. Hopefully, you know, with all the hacking going on, no one hacks into that and puts something crazy up on there. But, yeah. Ooh. You know, hopefully they got some nice uh, cybersecurity with them.
2: <laughs> yeah, no, there's no doubt. That thing is pretty awesome, man. And that's that's a that's a conversation starter in itself. So, uh, this city is incredible, man. It's only been a few years here for me, but uh, just seeing the way it's grown in that small amount of time, has been awesome. I know you've been here, obviously, a lot longer than me. Well, thanks so much for your time. What do you working on that we should be on the lookout for
0: oh uh, you know just kind of chipping away some of this formula one stuff how, you know how this is getting closer i'm going to be deep diving into, you know what's actually going to be occurring during that race week um obviously been disrupting traffic already here you know getting <laughs> yeah. that 3.8 mile track ready for racing in november so i'll be heavily doing some of that stuff uh you know keep an eye on anything sports business-wise like i said i'm um eagerly waiting to see what Oakview Group has. So hopefully, you know, in the next few months we'll hear something like that um, come out and, you know, see what their grand plans are.
2: Yeah, that, that, that'll that be interesting to see what the grand plans are. There's no doubt about it. Well, Mick, again, thanks so much for your time, man. Fantastic work. Great piece on Sandra Douglas Morgan, and I'm sure I'll see you on Sunday in the press box there at Allegiant Stadium.
0: All right, man, I always appreciate it. I'll actually be there, you know, not working this time for the first time ever and taking it in a fan, and, you know, be, having been able to sip a beer or two when I'm out there watching the game.
2: <laughs> there, Hey, that a boy. Go ahead and soak it in, man. Come see us at the Torch, man. Come hang out with us at Coors Light Landing, man. We'll, go, we'll be glad to see you. <laughs> uh,
0: I'll stop by and say hi. All
2: right, there he goes. Fantastic work, man. Mick Akers from the RJ on Twitter at Mick Akers does a great job uh, covering really the business side of sports. And trust me, believe there's a lot of the business side of things when it comes to sports, especially here in the city of las vegas thought he did a really good piece on the president of the silver and black sandra douglas morgan raiders president reflects on year of change for franchise and the thing that i love the most and i don't see her all the time let's not get it twisted it's not like we're hanging out or anything but when i do see her whether it's at training camp whether it's you know, around the facility, uh, if it's out and about at an event or whatever the case may be, if it's in Canton, Ohio. It doesn't matter where I run into her. So many young girls run up to her and want to take a picture with her or want to get her autograph. And I see so many parents saying, hey, can my daughter take a picture with you? Can my young son take a picture with you? She is inspiring so many young and really uh, young girls, you know, to go ahead and be the best that they can. I think that that's awesome. Sometimes, and I've been saying this for years and even in positions that I'm in, Like sometimes you just need someone that represents you to make you understand that you can do what they're doing. And so I think that that has been amazing. Uh, I love seeing all the interaction with the fans that she has and again, she never stops and hesitates to take a picture or sign an autograph with any of the young people that come up to her and talk to her and the parents as well. So many thanks to Mick Akers for his time this afternoon. We definitely appreciate him. Let's go ahead and hook you up, man. Why don't we go ahead and do that? Call number 9 is what we're looking for right now at 702-365-9200. Let's go ahead and get you in to win this Ultimate Raiders hookup which is obviously a big stinking deal ultimately two tickets to the Raiders Steelers home game uh, this upcoming Sunday night two field passes an autographed player jersey right now call number nine is going to get some kind of Raider merchandise a Raider image gift card whatever's in our closet we're going to have for you and more importantly that'll get you in to win the ultimate Raiders hookup so again call number nine is what I'm looking for 702-365-9200 when we come back not only will we shout out to the winner but we'll also hear from running back Josh Jacobs who was in the Raiders locker room just a little while ago Serenity Radio 920
0: now back to unnecessary roughness with your boy q broadcasting live from the finley cadillac performance
3: studio
2: gotta give a big ups to my guy wendell he got hooked up he's in to win the ultimate raiders hookup what is the ultimate raiders hookup well glad you asked it is a pair of tickets to this sunday night's game against the steelers a couple of field passes so you can hang out on the field before the game and an autograph player jersey now if it was me I would hang that thing on the wall. i get that thing framed and hanging on the wall. But, again, that's just me. You can choose to do whatever you want to do with it, but we've been able to do this the last couple seasons, a couple times a season we've been able to hook this up. And it's really cool, and I love seeing the reaction to Raider Nation when they're able to get hooked up like this because, again, that's a really valuable prize. So Wendell's getting uh, – he's in to win right now. Uh, he got hooked up with some Raider merchandise or a Raider image gift card, whatever comes out the closet. But more importantly, in to win. The Ultimate Raiders hookup. We'll do that again at least tomorrow. And then uh, we'll find out at the end of the week who's going to get the tickets and who's going to get the rest of the hookup. We also still have Power Trip uh, tickets on the way. You want to go to this awesome concert in Cali uh, where you go see Guns N' Roses, Iron Maiden, ACDC, Judas Priest, Metallica, and Tool. We got a pair of tickets to that. On the way as well. My man Ari is in the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. I'm in the home studio. We like to call it Studio Q. And, of course, it's being brought to you, unnecessary reference, that is, by the Jewelers of Las Vegas. Got a couple of different sounds from the locker room I want you to hear. Max Crosby is one. But right now I want you to hear from the reigning, rushing champion of 2022, which was Josh Jacobs. He met with a few of the media members just a few minutes ago.
1: You know, sleeping in your own bed is always an uh, A8 eight, eight plus to me, you know what I'm saying? Um, but yeah, I think that that's definitely been a uh, huge too. you know, just to be able to stick to your routine and um, be able to come in and, you know, find that, find that routine and try to excel.
3: And Coach said earlier that, like, facing a team like the Steelers, that they're great in all phases and you always have to stay up on your toes. For you, what is kind of your goal, your mindset coming
2: into this one?
1: Man, I view everybody the same way, man, honestly. Like...
2: Look, I hate going to get saying <laughs> it. No,
1: but I, I view everybody the same way, honestly. I, I always think that like I come in and I prepare hard and, uh, for the guys that I'm facing, but at the end of the day, I feel like it always comes down to me, and uh, I feel like people got to dictate uh, they stuff around me. So that's kind of the mindset that I have when I'm coming into the game. Why do you feel like the running attack hasn't been able to be what it was last year so far, uh, and what, what has
2: to change to get it going?
1: Uh man, I think it's just chemistry right now. Uh, you know, uh, all around the board. Uh, you know, I think it's just a lot of guys right now. We uh, we having like little minor errors. Uh, you know, including myself. So it's just about picking
2: it up, doing all the little things right, uh, straining it a little harder, and uh, making it happen. So there's Josh Jacobs right there in the Raiders locker room. Just a few minutes ago, you see uh, you see multiple members of the media there. You also hear from Max Crosby uh, before the show is over. As well, uh, definitely uh, want to hear from him what he's got to say as they prepare for the Pittsburgh Steelers this Sunday night. We've got Paloma Vilicana from Fox 5 Sports coming up at 4 o'clock. I wanted to go over the Wednesday uh, injury report real quick. Just got this from the Silver and Black. I tweeted it out at r 920 AM, also at your boy Q254. Uh, for the Raiders, uh, let's see. Wide receiver Devontae Adams. Game day concussion protocol evaluation is the injury Wednesday full participant. So that lets you know exactly what Josh McDaniel said on Monday. He is good to go. Cornerback Jacorian Bennett, hamstring injury, limited on Wednesday. Divine Diablo, rib injury, limited. Safety Marcus Epps, quad, limited. Wide receiver Jacoby Myers, concussion, limited. So that clearly means that he has not cleared the concussion protocol just yet. Defensive tackle, Belial Nichols, hamstring and ham, limited. Safety, Chris Smith, the second, illness, did not participate. Defensive end, Tyree Wilson, illness, did not participate. So pretty like the injury report right there from the silver and black. Devontae Adams being the good news, full participant, but Bennett, Diablo, Epps, Myers, and Nichols all limited. Chris Smith, the second, and Tyree Wilson, rookie safety and rookie defensive end, did not participate. Uh, Let's go out to the phone lines real quick and uh, talk to our guy, Passionate Raider. Welcome to the show. What's on your mind?
3: What's up, Q, man? Here we go. Steal the week, Q. You know, I heard you hollering yesterday. I said, no
0: terrible times this weekend at (laughs) home, man. No terrible times at home, Q. I'm watching the guys practice today. You were probably there watching. I'm watching on YouTube right now. I mean, this is homecoming, man. First game of the year, that place is going to be loud. That place is going to be packed. And let's just pray to God it's filled with silver and black. Come on, Raider Nation. Show up and show out. Let's go, Raiders. Come on.
2: There you go. Passion Raider fired up and. Yeah, man, I'm excited about the season home opener, right? I'm excited about being back in Allegiant Stadium. I'm excited to see Raider Nation back in Allegiant Stadium. You know, it's always kind of like a, you know, a family affair. It's almost like a reunion type thing when uh, you get back at Allegiant and everyone's gathering there at the Coors Light Landing, hanging out, talking, hey, what'd you do last week? What'd you do this, that, and the other? What have you done so far this season? Just all that good stuff. And of course, talking a lot of Raider football, listening to the JT, the Brick, and Eric Allen on the pregame show, and just getting fired up and ready for kickoff. And man, when it's Sunday night football is just something different sunday night and monday night football is just different so excited that the very first game at Allegiant in 2023 is sunday night football doesn't get much better than that coming up in hour number three paloma of fox 5 sports she'll join us to talk all things aces and rebels it's radio nation radio 920 and thank you so much for listening to the podcast version of unnecessary roughness here on lvsportsnetwork.com brought to you by Porta subs